Let's see if I've got this right. If you are a supporter of Vice President Biden, then you are supporting, okay, I'm I'm just going to do their uh, TV ads for their opponents right now. Then you are supporting somebody that's going to be a socialist or that, that is a socialist and is going to lead us into communism. If, see, I'm already getting it. All right, that's the opponents of Vice President Biden would say that. But if you're an opponent of Donald Trump, you've got somebody that's going to lead us deeper into evil capitalism. If you are a supporter of Biden, the opposition says, you're voting for a mentally deficient man. But the opposition says of our president, if you are a supporter of Trump, you support that rude bully. If you're an opponent of Vice President Biden, you're saying about him, let all the people in that want to come into the country. No walls, no borders, no security, just one big happy country. But if you're against the president, then you don't believe that, that uh, or, or you, um, if, if you are a Trump supporter, the other side believes that you just want to keep everybody out. You don't want any kind of, of immigration. And so it goes on and on and on. Your view of abortion. One side, the other. You know who stands for what in that. And so we get down to the point that the conversations that we're having, even as Christians, are very topic-driven and they're, they're totally focused and centered on how can you, what a dilemma it is for a Christian. How can you vote for somebody who is going to support abortion or choice? Because isn't that the way that's described? Or how can you support somebody that's going to hold up pro-life or if you're going to say it the way the other side will uh, does, lack of choice. And we've all heard the arguments for both sides. And it goes on and on, topic to topic. And, and Christians say, but if you're a Christian, you're going to believe this. And if you're a Christian, you're going to believe this. And brothers and sisters, we have a real dilemma. Because we're at the point now where who you support for a political office, president, city council, whoever it is. We're attaching that to your Christian faith. I want to take you, I want to take you back to the founding vision for the United States of America this morning for just a second. You stepped off the, the boat, not in, not in 1492, but in the 1600s, in the 17th century, you stepped off the boat and you looked at America and you had this dream and this vision and it came from Matthew 5. The people of faith that stepped off the boat, whatever you think about them, okay, whatever you think about them, 
They stepped off the boat and they had this vision for the United States of America. They said, we would love to see this become, Matthew 5, Jesus is teaching, the city on the hill. You know what that means? We would like, the city on the hill, you remember what the city on the hill is from Scripture? It's Jerusalem. The city on the hill is that place that the whole world will come to for salvation. That it's the hope of the world. It's, it's the thing in the world that, oh, gives everybody hope. And so they stepped off the boat. Regardless of what you think they did, the vision was, we're going to be a city on a hill. Hope to the world. You look at us in 2020, and you, you look at some of the words that are used to describe the city on the hill. Some people call it the swamp. Needs to be drained, I hear. The city on the hill. How do you get to the city on the hill? Well, <laughs> let, me, let me take you back to the founder of Methodism, a man by the name of John Wesley. You may be aware of him because you may have been a Methodist for a long, long time. You may not be aware of John Wesley or know much about him because you may not have been uh, in the Methodist church long enough to have really heard much about that. But John Wesley was a preacher that was a part of the Anglican church over in Europe. And the church really wasn't accepting his ideas of Christianity because his ideas of Christianity were that we should be in jails visiting the people who are prisoners, whether they were the worst criminals in the world or were there and shouldn't have been there. John Wesley thinks thought we should be visiting them all and helping them all. John Wesley believed that in our faith we were supposed to be expressing that faith through service to a community and, and service to our brothers and, and sisters, uh, whether you were Christian or not. He also had some very traditional orthodox beliefs about salvation. So John Wesley was one of these, these priests preachers that was going around the country living out what he believed. The church, they wanted priests that were in the church doing the work of the church and holding up the institution of the church in the 18th century, the, the mid to late 1700s. And so John Wesley didn't fit that bill. So John Wesley left the church uh, with the invitation of the church, by the way, and he went out and he started his own, what he called societies. One of those societies happened in a place in England called Pill. P-I-L-L. -L. And John Wesley would get on a horse and he would ride to the next place and if he could form a society there, like-minded Christians who wanted to live out their faith in the community, he would leave behind him a society. And then he would come back and visit that society and eventually he raised people up to, to preach and teach in those societies. And then eventually the Methodists formed by the methods that we used. Well, he formed a society at Pill, P-I-L-L. -L. Pill was a sailor's town. The Bristol Channel there in England was a place that drew, uh, if you think, northeastern states. 
and you think about what it looks like yet today in 2020 to go into the northeastern states that are right on the seaboard, not talking about the southern state of Florida and, and the tourism of, of fishing boats. I'm talking about people that make their living on the sea. You know what I'm talking about? In Pill, there were 30 pubs, 30 of them, because you know what happens. Sailors come in from being out there where they risk their lives on the sea, and they go to the pub. I mean, we've all seen Pirates of the Caribbean. There were 30 pubs. These were rough people. These were bare-knuckle people. These were people that made their living in the harshest conditions this world had to offer. And John Wesley rode into Pill, and he formed a society. It means he formed a group of people that believed in Christ. Now, if you think that these people in Pill believed in Christ and then just quit being that, that bare-knuckle brawler, you don't know anything about Christians, do you? Because that's not what happens. We don't get saved, give our lives to Christ, and all of a sudden, all those things that everybody else thought we shouldn't do, we just don't do those things anymore, do we? No, they still went to the pubs. They still made their living on the sea. And when you went on the sea, there is a reason that people say that that guy can curse like a sailor. These were rough people. And becoming Christian didn't automatically mean, well, they didn't do that stuff in life anymore. And John Wesley left a society behind him there in Pill as he rode through. In other words, people that had given their lives to Jesus Christ and had said, yes, we want to aspire to lives that are fully given over and devoted to Christ. But boy, it's going to take us a long time to get there as individuals once we give our lives to Christ. If we do it as children, we still have, have struggles with it because as we encounter the world and we encounter the things in the world that do not represent the character of God, we live those things out. We learn our lessons. We, we do them, then we don't do them anymore. And, but these weren't people that from the time they were very, very small, the church had had a great influence. No, this was a group of people that had lived life the way they wanted to. And so the society in Pill was different. Wesley came through there on October 3rd, 1774. Does that date sound somewhat familiar? Not because anything happened here on October 3rd, 1774, but it's only two years before we here in America are going to declare independence, and we were already talking about it over here. So that means the king rules in England. But there's going to be an election in 1774. And as Wesley rides through Pill, it, it says in his journal, and Wesley left all his journals for us. It's, it's awesome. And I read his journals on a regular basis. But on Thursday the 29th of September, he says, I preached at Pill on the worm. Okay, that gives you an idea of when Wesley confronted these people, he didn't play around with them. I preached on the worm that dies not, but the fire that is not quenched. And some of those 
drowsy ones awoke, and they escaped from everlasting burning. In other words, some people, that's Wesley's way of saying some people decided to give their lives to Christ. That was the 29th. He was still around the next Tuesday. And he says, I examined the society. In other words, he went around and he talked to the members of his society in Pill. So he's been there a week. And I met those of our society who had votes in the coming election. And they asked me, how should we vote? In other words, you've got a group of people in a society that's trying to live their lives for Christ. But they're still doing things the way they've always done things, right? Can you imagine what the elections in Pill were like? And, and they're not voting for a king. The king is the king. They're voting for local uh, chancellors and a governor of their area. Those are the things, if you go back in history, you know what they got to vote for. They didn't get to vote for anything like the king. But in their area there, they got to vote for their area. And Wesley comes through, and I can just imagine what elections in Pill must have been like as I read this. New York City came to mind. And I remember the movie, um, um, oh, the, the street gangs. What's that movie uh, about the street gangs of New York? Not West Side Story. It, it's the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. Gangs of New York. Thank you, Patsy. All right. I've got another heathen in the midst. Gangs of New York. And I remember what the elections were like there. And they were walking around and it was bare knuckle brawling. And, and you grabbed somebody and you threw them in the door to, to make them vote for your person. And, you know, I could just imagine. That was New York. I can just imagine what Pill was like. These, these rough sailors. And Wesley comes in to a society that's saying, okay, we get it. <laughs> we can't grab somebody by the scruff of the neck, throw them through the barroom door, and make them vote who we want. But what are we supposed to do? We don't know any other way. This is our politics. So Wesley says, I met those of the society. Remember, he's been examining the society. And when you examine the society, what, what you're asking are questions like, how is it with you and the Lord? Well, you know, it's pretty good, uh, Pastor Wesley, but, but we're really having some issues with this election. So he finds the things that, that are on the hearts of the people in Pill. And he says to us in his journal, they're asking, how are we supposed to handle this coming election? And he says, I advise them. Here we go. Three things. The dilemma of voting. You need to vote without fee or reward. Wesley says... You need to approach this election not from the standpoint of somebody's going to pay you for your vote. Or, if that person is elected, I will get this reward. I will get this from them. You need to vote without fee. You shouldn't let anybody pay you for your vote. 
And you shouldn't be voting on somebody based on what they, what they are going to give you. And you need to vote. This is all still a part of his first one. Vote without fear or reward. And vote for the person that you judge the most worthy. Now do you, do you hear that? We have a dilemma in voting. If you are going to be honest in this election, there are things about both candidates that you don't like. I have not voted for a single time for president, going back to Jimmy Carter. I have not voted in a single presidential election in which I could say I like and agree with everything that person says, does, or is. It's just not going to happen. Well, that leaves you with a dilemma. Because now we're, we're at the point where we're at, where one side says to the other, well, if you're a Christian, how could you vote for that? How could you vote for somebody that believes that or practices that? Wesley is saying, how about if we turn that around? How about if we say, as a person of faith, you yourself vote for the person you think is the most worthy. Politics aside, everybody from their conscience, Wesley says, in a knuckle and brawl election in Pill, England in 1774, you pick the person that you think is the most worthy. And you vote for them. And don't vote for them because they're going to pay you. And don't vote for them because they're going to give you a reward. He says, and commit to speak no evil of the person that you voted against. Not bad advice. Not possible in 2020 when our elections are set up to where we are going to speak against the other person rather than vote for a person. But I guarantee you that our elections are no rougher or, or no coarser, in other words, in the gutter type of thing, than they could do in a sailor town in England in 1774, what they would say against each other, what they would say about each other. Wesley says, vote without fee or reward for the person you judge most worthy and don't speak evil of the person that you voted against. And he says, finally, take care that your spirits are not sharpened against those that are voted on the other side. John Wesley knew what voting was like in Pill in 1774, and he knew the contentious nature of elections. And this is how he handled the dilemma. And I'm going to share the scripture with you once again here in just a second. Because I think this was the foundation of John Wesley's thoughts on this. He says, as a Christian, 
We don't vote for the rewards that we're going to receive from a candidate. We vote for a candidate that we believe is the most worthy of our vote. Whatever your standard is on that, folks. Whatever your standard is on that. That's between you and God. The person that you think is the most worthy. Wesley said, Santa Claus... In a national election where we are, oh, we're coming close to November. Don't vote based on, Wesley said, what you're going to get out of the election. Of course, you're not going to vote because somebody's going to pay you. That's, we at least don't have that issue. But vote for the person that you think is the most worthy. End of discussion. Do not speak ill of the person that you didn't vote for. Let somebody else come to their own conclusions about who's worthy for their vote. And finally, do not allow your spirit to be sharpened against people that are going to vote opposite of what you're going to vote. Because we do have a Christian dilemma. We have Christians that are convinced on both sides of this election that the other candidate, based on their faith, cannot be supported. Let me read the scripture for you again. Because this was Peter. 2,000 years before John Wesley. This is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. In other words, whatever other people are going to do, you as people of faith, Peter says, do good. Being free, we have a free choice. Yet not using liberty... As a cloak for vice. Do you hear John Wesley's words? Without fee or reward. Yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice. But as a bondservant for God. Do what you believe God is asking you to do. And Peter says. And in doing that. Honor all people. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And honor the king. Show honor to the government. We have a responsibility. Not to a king, not to a president. But to a nation. To a government that in a free way we will cast a vote. And so, here's what I have to say about the Christian dilemma that was on my heart, which is why I put it forth today. I know people of tremendous character on both sides of the political spectrum. People that I would trust with my life, my fortune, as the founders of this nation said, my life, my fortune, my character. I love them dearly. We're not agreeing. 
we're not agreeing about the way the nation is going forward. Republican, Democrat, Independent. We're not agreeing. It's very contentious. We're hearing lots of things, and we know the closer we get to election day, the, the more it boils up. I think the words of Wesley in 1774, in a town that was much rougher than any town in the United States, is pretty good advice from his society. By the way, this is a society that's going to send forth Francis Asbury. Francis Asbury is the one that was the founder of Methodism in America. This, society, this sailor's town is going to send forth the very man that's going to spread Methodism into the United States of America. They learned their lessons. Vote without fee or reward for the person you deem to be the most worthy. Do not speak ill of the other. And do not allow your spirits to be sharpened against each other. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the King. Heavenly Father, I just pray as we move through this time of election and we're able to take a breath on the other side of it, that, Lord, your people might humble their hearts before you, that we might steal ourselves. In other words, that we might set ourselves in a direction to follow the teachings of Christ, of Peter, of people like John Wesley, that in the year 2020, we can make sense in our hearts and in our relationship with you. How we are to vote but more importantly, how we continue to be your people on the other side of it. This I pray in your name. Amen. Okay, please stand. I'd love to leave you with a blessing. And timothy.allemeyer at gmail.com. Pastor Tim at santaclausumc.org. 812-708-0532. Any of those will reach me for an argument. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God lift up his countenance upon you. And I pray this for you, brothers and sisters. May God give you peace. Amen. God is good. And all the time. Have a great week, everybody. God bless.